Welcome to This Week in Craft Beer, the podcast, the weekly show where we interview the people making the magic happen in the UK craft beer scene. This Week in Craft Beer publishes the UK's leading craft beer newsletter every Monday morning by email. To subscribe for free, please visit www.thisweekincraft.beer. This Week in Craft Beer would like to thank our generous Patreon supporters, Phantom Brewing Co., Bayonet Brewing Co., Dolphin Brewery, Berkshire Beer Box, The Small Batch Brewing Co., Belgium and Blues Southampton, Doug Thayer, Robert Baker, Aid Bardi, The Brew Brothers, Paul Whelan, Bettina Cassidy, Forks Brewery, Claire Costa, James Cox, Craig Hatton, James Moss, John Mead and Craft Beerings. So I'm delighted to welcome to the podcast this evening, Chris from Modest Beer, based in County Antrim, Northern Ireland. Chris started out as a home brewer and was inspired to launch Modest Beer in 2019, following the success of a Kolsch-style beer brewed for a friend's restaurant. Things have moved on a pace since then, and Modest are building a great reputation throughout Northern Ireland and beyond. Chris, please introduce yourself and tell us about your beer journey, which led you to launching Modest Beer. Thanks, Rob. Hi, everyone. My name is Chris. I'm the founder of Modest Beer Brewing Company. Um, in, in terms of my own personal beer journey, I think that yeah. dates back probably to 2010, I would say. And I remember at that stage starting a new graduate job, fresh faced, no, no idea about really about craft beer at that stage. The market in Northern Ireland was extremely young, yeah. never mind sort of certainly in comparison to where anywhere else in, in the UK probably was at that stage and so I started work with a guy who was my boss and was a camera member and okay. a big proponent for cask beer but also local Northern Irish and Irish beer okay great and so he introduced me on numerous sort of staff events and evenings he would always make sure that there was a pub incorporated that suited his beer requirements so nice. um, it would have been breweries like Whitewater yeah. uh a long-standing Northern Irish brewery who started out in 1996. Those guys' beers, uh, Galway Bay, yeah, uh, down in Galway as well, were just getting going at that stage. Yeah. We're making some fantastic beer. Mm-hmm. Um, that was kind of my first introduction. And realizing that there was actually some really small, niche, delicious beers being made on the island of Ireland. Yes. Breweries I never heard of, didn't know it. <laughs> and that was just kind of that initial moment that's, sparked the interest and nice. got me going mm-hmm. um, and then I lived in London for a couple of years in 2014-2015 nice um, and that's when I got a real appreciation for what the craft beer scene yeah was. that was a really high growth period let's call it for for craft beer in, in London particularly but but in you know right across the UK so that was a great time to to be living in London and, and experiencing the beer scene I'm sure yeah so I started the homebrew probably in 2012 or so really as a hobby and absolutely zero commercial intentions at that time <laughs> um, i left that behind when i moved to london because we rented out our little house in northern ireland and we were renting a small one bedroom flat yeah absolutely no room no room for homebrewing no <laughs> no so that got parked but was honestly the the way the beer scene was there with craft beer bars and breweries and tap rooms there was no need for that Northern no. Ireland didn't really have that offering yet. And so people were still probably making the styles of beer they wanted to drink to a certain extent. Yeah. Um, not so much in London, absolutely. Plenty of breweries absolutely knocking it out of the park and got yes. a real 
for that the tap room feel, the little clusters of breweries, the beer mile in Bermondsey, that sort of thing. And looking yeah. back to the market in Northern Ireland and thinking, there's a real gap there. Like, why is nobody else doing this? That was yep. complete naivety uh, on my <laughs> part. So when I came back to Northern Ireland in 2015, sort of full of beans about this this idea that I had, it turned out that once you delve into the licensing laws and, and the way that they work and how restrictive they were for breweries in terms of being able to sell direct to consumer through yeah. a tap room, through all sales, through a web shop. It was quickly apparent to me why nobody was doing it. They legally couldn't. They were shackled by the archaic laws here. So yes. that whole idea went on the complete back burner then. And I continued to homebrew when I got back home for another three years. Uh, again, just uh, an absolute passion project for me, just purely for fun, but like really down the rabbit hole at that stage for an every yep. weekend. And it w- wasn't until 2018 when a good friend of mine, who was starting a restaurant over in Bristol, so he was a childhood friend, and he moved over to the south of England with his family when we were yep. about four, 14 or so, and then I sort of reconnected with him at university. And he had started a graphic design business. That was his primary gig at that stage, but he was branching out into a restaurant that he did a lot of the brand work for, and they wanted a beer to launch with. Nice. Um, a branded beer for a launch party. He knew that I'd been from brewing. He tried a load of my beer. I probably forced upon him a load of my beer. So <laughs> um, at that stage, what I did to make it above board was registered the garage that I was brewing out of as a commercial brewery with a HMRC with the local council in terms of a food business. I've been back yeah. as a health officer out. All of the red tape was associated with starting a commercial brewery on a really right. tiny scale. And I brewed maybe 10 boxes of beer, say, to fill a pallet of 330ml bottles for this lunch party. And boy, <laughs> um, never to do it again because the mountain of work that goes into that many small batch beers, hand bottled onto a pallet. Mind-boggling, it, yeah. It, it, was a, it was a real piece of work that I... But that sort of planted the seed that this might be something I could do commercially on a small scale. Right. And the garage was now registered and set up to facilitate that. But the brew kit was I was brewing sixty liters at a time. And so yeah. it was far too undersized to make it practical with the time that I had to do it. So it took me the guts of another year and a half really to actually get a business plan together to come up with the funds, source the kit, to figure out what was an appropriate size for, for the garage, get the best sort of uh, suited equipment and yeah. so end of 2019 Monosphere officially launched um, Kyle my friend that was I speaking about there that um, had the graphic design studio their studio B their best based in Clifton in yeah. Bristol and they yeah. did all the, the brand and the design work for me being you know I couldn't have done this without them my that's nice yeah it's not yeah. that at all um, <laughs> so those guys have been really really helpful in getting modest beer to off the ground and continue to keep it kind of where it is. Yeah. Um, yeah, so, so 2019 got in the it's a brick 300. It's like a, a pub-style system into the garage. So it's two-vessel yeah. system. Each vessel gets used twice for each part of the, the process. So you'll have a, a dual mash-tongue boil kettle and mm-hmm. a lauder-tongue whirlpool. It's, it's on wheels, it's completely movable, nice. and it worked really nicely for the garage setup that I had. Very small, I could get in four 650-litre fermenters. And so we started with, I started with two. Within nine months, 
I needed another two. Yeah. But that, that was only fitting uh, at that stage. And so I sort of bore that out until the middle of 2021. And then the yeah. opportunity to move to our current location in Ramblestown arose. Uh, I share that with another brewery who are, for any home brewers that are listening, they'll know Getter Brewed. They're yeah. a, sort of primarily a one-stop shop for home brewers, but also they're a big microbrewery supplier as well. So they supply a lot of the, the microbreweries on the island of Ireland and also in GB as well. Nice. Um, so um, they have, a, I suppose, a, a sister company, or Brewery, which is partly a showcase for the equipment that they distribute, right. but yeah. also and, and the ingredients that they use and sell. So there was ample space in there for my kit, my fermenters. And so I moved in with them as they were kitting that place out. Fantastic. 2021, and we've been yeah. there for sort of two years now. It allowed me to get, obviously, restricted by the, the ceiling height in the garage. I could get a, a tw- new 26 hectoliter tank that I put the core year-round beers through. And then right. I still have my smaller tanks that I can use for specials, limited edition beers. Um, nice combination, actually, yeah. Yeah, yeah it, it's worked out quite nicely. Uh, we've, in the last year, been able to split a calming line between us as well, just with the volume of beer we're doing between mm-hmm. the two businesses. We were able to justify the calming line quite easily. If it was either of us on our own, we probably maybe would have had to persevere with mobile calming a little yeah. bit longer. But that, again, has been really helpful. Uh, I'm a modest beer is still a one-man operation, so having another brewer on site when I'm not there has been a, a lifesaver as well, as much as I help those guys. Um, exactly. There are jobs where, yeah, you need more than two hands, and it's just great to have you know somebody else that knows their way around the kit, isn't there? Just, you know... A, a shout away on the other side of the building, or that's really nice. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I'm, I'm sort of 30 miles from where the brewery is as well. So if a beer needs to dry hop, and Mike from our brewery's up there brewing a batch of beer, he can he can dry hop, and I don't need to do a two hour run trip just no. to drop a bag of hops in there fermenter. So um, yeah, it's, it's worked really well for for all parties. I think to date. That's and brilliant. That's kind of yeah. where we are, right? I, yeah, say, they, I, say, I say we, it's just me, but I feel that when I talk about Mothersphere, I slip into we. Of course you do, yeah. No, that's understandable. Um, it, it uh, That's great, Chris. And it, it has, you know, I, I've, I've commented on this podcast before that I'm surprised there aren't more breweries in, in your kind of situation uh, in the UK or, or, or Ireland, uh, you know, the Southern Ireland for that matter, because it's it's very much the case that there are economies of, of scale, aren't there, to a certain extent. You've just described some of the convenience of, of having a you know another brewer around the place. And you know, clearly there's there are cost efficiencies to be had. And really there's very few such examples. There, there's there is an organization called Missing Link here in the south of England that that, that has a you know a, a similar kind of setup, but but really there, there there are I can't think of any others. And so it's great to hear that that's really working out well for you. And I, I'm just really surprised that other people haven't set up in in a similar kind of circumstance but yeah it, it certainly sounds as though it's working well for you and it's allowed you to build the business on your own effectively and, and still you know start to to produce quite a lot of beers actually i mean looking at your website this afternoon you've got i don't know seven eight different beers um all, all canned and available there which is which is brilliant for for essentially a one-man operation <laughs> yeah i mean it's it's probably i think it, it depends who you talk to right about how to start a brewery and how big you need to go and how much money and finance you need to have. Yeah. My, my way and Modest Beer's way was quite a prudent way in that 
I I was I kept my full time job and everything I was doing for the first two years to build the brand and yep. uh, grow the brewery was done without the risk of all or nothing, if you know what I mean. Yes. Yeah. It allowed me that sort of proof of concept phase. And to be honest, initially I didn't really know if I would ever leave my job. I was in a no. maybe doing that for twelve years. I was in a job that I was happy in. This was just a, a passion project following kind of my gut and yeah. it just one thing kind of led to another and things progressed and the beers were really well received and yeah. the, the brewery just continued to grow. And so it came to the point where I was effectively doing two full-time jobs and something yep. I had to give with, yes. you know, two young kids and trying to balance 50 hours a week for my employer and run a brewery. And, you know, there's just, there's a breaking point and that was probably that um, yes. it was time to tear it back or to take it on full-time and take that risk. Um, for Modest Beer, from the get-go, the draft market is really, really difficult here for yep. reasons that I think Will has gone into before. And so everything initially primarily was going into small pack. Um I was using Bevcraft as a mobile canner. Yep. Uh while I was operating from the, the garage. I just did not have the time to physically package beer or no. this sort of setup that I could probably afford at that stage. I just didn't have the time to go one or two cans at a time no. manually. So those guys would bring their canning line down from Mullingar, a five head, can my four fermenters in, in a day and away. Yeah. So everything's in small pack. And I think consumers in the local market and also retailers were really, really hampered on the supply side and keen to support local businesses. And so I saw a surge in demand for my product from even from the launch over the, um, the first four months. Once lockdown sort of happened in the panic, settled a little bit and the off sale started to trade again yeah um i couldn't keep the beer in stock at that point nice <laughs> really quite a juxtaposition probably to a lot of breweries that had a real foothold in pubs and bars and places where you know they've got a whole backlog of keg stock that they expected yeah. to sell through and that route to market just shut out completely and they were stuck um i had the opposite scenario yeah you were already 100 focus on small pack yeah brilliant yeah. so that, that landed really well for you guys then or you i should say not you guys <laughs> it did so i don't know what way it would have gone otherwise but i feel like certainly we were way less affected and hit than a lot of other uh breweries would have been um, yes but yeah i feel like in that first nine months i expected those two fermenters to kind of be enough for me to get by with the sort of projections i'd set out but no, needed another two very quickly just to mm. um, be able to introduce new beer, basically, because the beers that were going through those fermenters needed to just be the same beers over and over again to yep. keep up with the demand. Um, again, this the market in Northern Ireland, from, from my conversation, certainly with my potential customers, were that overwhelmingly, if a beer sells well for them, that they really want it to be there and be available, and it could be quite frustrating where you get customers in and onto a new particular beer brand and they come back to buy it again the next week and it's gone and it's yes. something else, which was typical of the craft beer scene like that is yeah, absolutely. You know, anything, people are well used to that, that are the typical craft beer consumer. And actually that's what they expect and seek out. But the market here was quite immature in comparison. And it, it took a lot of convincing for folk that weren't of that mind. And so 
yeah it's hard to persuade people to regard that as a good thing isn't it but you're, you're right it, it, you yeah. know, in a strange way that was part of the sort of the magic of, of the growth of the craft beer scene was yeah you know there were certain breweries whose beer you simply couldn't get you know and it, it sort of increased the almost like the allure of those beers didn't it for a while i'm not sure whether that's still the case but it certainly there was a period of time where the the, the really biggest names the likes of dyer and verdon i'm thinking of in particular you just couldn't get you know you you needed to be on the ball to order from their web shop the, the moment that those beers went live and you know they were sold out in 10 minutes and it's just it's hard to imagine those days now but yeah at the time that was that was sort of part of the the special nature of the scene wasn't it yeah you know in in that market lots of breweries have been able to build their brand off of having no core range at all you know mm. just all we do is new beer every time yeah. and there's a real market for that on the mainland at that time but in northern ireland it was just it frustrated the <laughs> the retailers here the, not everybody obviously there's there's a handful of places that are you know they get it if you know yeah. what i mean yeah, and, yeah but i think to avoid the friction uh, with the rest of the market that I was trying to approach. I launched with um, the intention of having a core range of beers that I could hone in on and perfect and have readily available yeah. and build around that fun and exciting stuff for the rest of the market that looks for that. Okay, we yeah. kind of find your brand, we find your, your flagship beer and it's delicious, but what else have you got? Which is That's right. the yeah. next question. So continue down that route. So. We have about we have four beers, I guess, that are available year round, or at least I endeavour to have available year round. And then yeah. around that, there's lots of different um, beers that come come and go with seasons. There's rotational series, and then there's just kind of one-off beers as well. Well, I think that tees us up perfectly, Chris, to talk about this first beer. I'm assuming this is one of your year-round available core range, which is um, Succulent and Hazy New England Pale. Yeah, so this is the beer that Modest Beer started with. Okay. Um, it's probably, I'd love to have a, a fresh side-by-side from November 2019 to see yes. how it's developed over time. I but bet. I think the, the thinking behind this beer was, firstly, I suppose, to encapsulate everything that Modest Beer is in terms of hop forward paleo mm-hmm. or IPA in an approachable beer market-wide in that yes the the craft beer folk can certainly appreciate it and would probably serve as a a beer that was one that you would like to have in the the back of your fridge oh absolutely fridge yeah definitely Uh, it's 4.2 percent and so it's approachable it's it's good like in terms of the draft market i was minded to have a beer that again frictionless in terms of the market here in Northern Ireland, it's it's a it's a reasonable ABV that people will happily drink by the pint, but Definitely. it's yep. packed full of flavour and mm. it's it just showcases what you can expect from our our hoppy peels and IPAs. Um, Definitely, let's um, let me read the tasting notes and it says, as you say, four point two percent. Our original hazy pale seeks to provide a balance between vibrant tropical fruit flavour and smooth drinkability. Hopped with Simcoe, Centennial, Citra, and Mosaic. Yeah, this is lovely. Um, glorious aroma uh, coming off it as, as you're pouring it. Yeah, beautiful, beautiful colour to it. Just a really smashable, fruity pale ale. Just, just lovely. You know, nice hint of bitterness to it. But yeah, I could, I could well imagine that this is a really good crossover beer, as you were just saying. You know, nobody's gonna. Uh, I guess the only, the only reason people might have to object to this would be, would be the, uh, 
the fact that it's extremely cloudy. So, you know, that, that I, I can't think of any other reason why a regular pale ale drinker would, would object to this as, you know, and, and yet um, it's got tons of flavour and I'm sure that this is going to go over really well um, on draft as, as well as, as you say, as a, as a fridge filler um, in cans. So it'd be a lovely beer. Um, and, I, you know, it wouldn't surprise me at all if you've struggled to keep this one in stock because it's, uh, it's a great pale ale. Thanks. And, uh, yeah, it's one of those ones that I do get asked often, what's your favourite beer that you produce? And mm-hmm. I don't have one. I could, you know, it's, I always say it's kind of like trying to pick your favourite child, but that's my favourite child. <laughs> but I just have to come that out loud. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's the one that I think a lot of my uh, favourite beers are the ones that I can come back to time and again. And that's what I love about these beers, that there's been that many iterations that have brewed that many times. So it's, it's really sort of honed in. Um, yeah, I bet it is, yeah. The exciting thing about brewing from for most folk, certainly home brewers that I, I would speak to quite often is trying new things, experimenting, oh, yeah. weird and wonderful. But for me, oddly, it was if you go back to my brew books from twenty fifteen, it's, you know, Bohemian Pilsner version twenty four, where you've slightly <laughs> tweaked the water profile and um yeah. timing. Um that's where I find my little kicks from really nice finely thing. tuning uh the same beer cell over and over again rather than seeing what weird and wonderful concoction I could come up with. So it's probably why I sort of lean to these beers as well when you talk about yeah. my favourite beers that you produce are. It just uh, you, you mentioned was it Kyle, the um your your graphic design friend that, that did your your branding and your sort of the design style. I I think the, the cans are really very nicely presented you know it's it's extremely simple you've got a nice um, oval label on the front just just with the basic information and a square label on the back both in the same colors but but really nice nice clean presentation to it but but very distinctive as well i'm sure that your beers stand out across the room if you're looking at them in a bottle shop fridge or whatever which is the whole point of it isn't it but yeah i i think uh, i think you've got that down really nicely so yeah credit to carl yeah i think the intention obviously or one of the intentions is to be distinctive and recognize clay modest beer no matter which beer it is at the time looking at craft beer shelves small pack really really busy lots of vibrant artwork um, lots of feedback that i got actually from retailers was that the retailers themselves and their customers on some brands were struggling to figure out what the beer actually was easily um having to always search for that information so yeah, we kind of paired everything right back to simplicity. Um, our view being that simplicity, when it's done really well, can be just as striking as something that's really vibrant and busy. So absolutely right. Yeah, nice big font as well, which I appreciate because my eyesight has failed badly over the last few years. So I'm uh, I'm often picking up a beer can and really struggling to read the ABV or even the style sometimes. And uh, yeah, it's nice to see it so clearly clearly displayed on the front of your can. So yeah, it's uh, yeah. works for me. Most of the beers aren't actually named as well, so I suppose the logic of the layout on the on the front roundel is if you take this paleo as an example, we'll have some kind of descriptor at the top and then yep. the style of the beer, and then we'll try and give some personality with a sort of tagline at the bottom. So succulent and hazy being a descriptor for what you can expect from yep. the beer itself. New England paleo, the, the style of the beer, and then cloudy yet full of sunshine just <laughs> a little something that will give you a sort of a wry smile bring a bit yeah. of personality to the can nice. um, yeah. and that's sort of the format that we follow for 
most of the bears. Um, there's some sort of uh, rotational series that we do that are named, if you like, that have a name to sort of capture that umbrella. But right. by large, it, that's the format that we follow, which can be yeah. a little bit confusing for folk because they're so used to saying named beer, so they're kind yeah. of going, I've had your New England Pale, or I've had your succulent and hazy, or I've had your cloudy yet full of sunshine. Um, but actually, it doesn't necessarily have a name, but equally, it's known as all of those things. So. Yeah. No, I think that, I think that makes sense, Chris. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you mentioned in passing already the challenges of the Northern Ireland licensing laws, and you also mentioned your friends at Bullhouse that have successfully managed to finally navigate through and, and get themselves a taproom set up. Is that is that something that you sort of aspire to down the road, or is it is it too hard and you're just not going to bother? No, that I mean that has been probably since. 2014, 2015, that's always been the vision. I can well imagine, yeah. You know, if I was starting a brewery, it would be with the ambition of, of having that tap room and being able to lean on the bar and, you know, chat to your customers. And, you know, that that's that's what it's about, isn't it? And, uh, you know, really have them appreciate your beer. But... Yeah, I, th- I think one of the main challenges I felt like I faced when I launched, when you don't have that access to market uh, direct to consumer, is the feedback loop is so... Mm. Um, Fragmented at best, yeah, yeah. It's the exact word, and so you have to actively go out and, and seek it. It doesn't mm. just come back over the bar within five seconds of just having a new keg and pouring a pint. Um, yeah. Equally, yeah, just I think just having that that flagship creating your own environment, yeah, that, that's always part of the vision. I think it will come with time and moving to our own space. So I'm I'm based in Hollywood and Twenty Down about 30 miles from where the brewery is at the minute and sharing that with the guys at Getter Brewed and our brewery. Yeah. They are continuing to grow. Modest Beer is continuing to grow. So I think there'll be a natural time where I'm looking to bring Modest Beer back a little bit closer to to County Down. And with that, the premises that I'll be looking for will hopefully be somewhere that will have that footfall or transport links to make it viable to have um, now that we have our new producer's license um, which is restrictive in its own right but it's better than nothing better than what it was which was nothing Um, so yeah I I hope with that 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 move it's something I can do we're kind of off the beaten track at the minute in in so there's not really any good public transport links or natural footfall where we are uh, or any other sort of businesses or any other reason to come out there, I suppose. No. So uh, it's very much uh, web shop and distribution based at the minute. Sure. Um, hopefully in time, that, that, that certainly is part of the vision. And I think, honestly, it's, it's the only way you can make your business completely viable as well. Yeah, that, that that's that's my perspective on it as well, I think. Yeah, you know, the... the, the, the the economic benefit of, of being able to sell direct from from source is just almost overwhelming, isn't it? Just just uh, in terms of the profit margin on the beers, yeah. Yeah. So I, I mentioned briefly the producer's license. So prior to sort of October, I think last year when it when it came in, there was no separate license for Northern Irish breweries to allow them to sell direct to consumers. So what we would have to do is go and acquire a pub license. Yes. Um, yeah. There's finite amount in the market and they have a market value that market value is typically six figures so it's yeah. for most breweries mm. 
the producer's license allows to sell what it boils down to really is the Friday and Saturday for nine hours um, between yeah. the hour of I think ten o'clock is is closing time. So it's yeah, it's hard to invest in infrastructure and employees for nine hours of trade a week. Yeah, which is the challenge. But I think there's a lot of lobbying going on to try and push that double it. Uh, to okay. four days a week rather than two. Yeah, and then it does start to become viable. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it's good. It's it's great that it you know that there is progress being achieved slowly but surely. Yeah. Well, fingers crossed. I certainly look forward to hearing uh, more news from you on that in uh, in future months and years. In the meantime, Chris, let's take a short break. This week in craft beer is sponsored by Hit Marketing Design a design agency based in Essex offering professional marketing services across the UK. They specialise in graphic design, brand creation and web design and can create anything from a fresh logo, new product branding, eye-catching adverts to a fully populated website. No fluff or filler, real design for a competitive world. To find out more visit hitmarketingdesign.co.uk I'm back with Chris from Modest Beer for the second half of the show. Chris, at this stage every week, I like to put the guest on the spot and ask them to tell me what makes them different. What is it you're doing at Modest Beer to stand out in the increasingly crowded Northern Ireland craft beer scene? It's, uh, I think the, the, the way for me to answer or approach this question is probably just to tell you a bit more about what we were about and our thoughts and my thoughts when we launched the brewery, okay. whether that makes us unique or different i'll leave that up to you but all right um, i, I mean, like it my my approach very much was that uh modest beer we were well aware that you know we're not going to be the biggest or the loudest or the strongest brewery uh, yeah. in northern ireland or, or wider afield um but that was always okay with me i think my approach has always been to try and take joy and life's sort of smaller pleasures. I think that's really important, certainly right. when you're doing everything yourself and trying to go brewery, build a brand, um, it can be quite a grind at some times, yeah. I think, um, with any business. Um, trying to do do that sort of stuff on your own, you got to really take the small things in life and the small small joys along the way. Otherwise, I like that very um, much, yeah. yeah. Yeah, you can grind yourself to a halt. And so... I think, and that's sort of borne out in the approach of continuing to work full time and taking two years slowly to build the brewery up, taking time, I suppose, to do things properly, do things the way I wanted to do them and with intention and not making decisions under duress or, you know, rash decisions that you feel you have to make commercially because of the pressures right. that you're under. Yeah. Um, it sort of freed us up to use the ingredients that we wanted to use, work with people that we wanted to work with and just enjoy myself and not, um, I suppose, just add to the Northern Irish brewing scene with a brand that I felt was just joyous and honest and um, trying to add to the scene rather than completely revolutionise it. Yeah, um, I like that. And that, that's kind of my approach to it and how I see us in the marketplace. Yeah. Um, I see myself as a proponent for Northern Irish craft beer as much as modest beer. I think we've got some really, really exciting breweries brewing lots of good stuff. Um, yes. And I want them to get the recognition that 
uh, is deserved on a wider scale. It's, it's a really tricky little market over here to get uh, things going and to get to a position where you can export the beers. And, and um, I see a lot of breweries doing really good things and I want their beers to get across into the hands of your listeners and the, and the wider market. Absolutely. The UK yeah. and further afield. So um, I'm on that push for, for those guys as much as I am for Modest Beer as well. Nice. Yeah. I can't think of anything to um, to argue about in what you just said there, Chris. I think it's an admirable perspective. I love the you know the the idea that yes, you're trying to derive every every possible piece of of enjoyment and fun out of what you're doing because you know you, I think you're right to say that you know a lot of a lot of breweries you know a lot of craft breweries and a lot of brewery owners are working under tremendous stress and pressure and I don't think they're having a very good time with it um, you know and so if you can. You know, not not saying it's easy, and I'm sure it isn't a lot of the time. You're working bloody hard, and you know, and and putting a lot of hours in. But if you can still sort of step back and try and try and still keep it fun and enjoyable, then then that's a you know, it's a, a big part of the the secret to the longevity of the business, isn't it? Because it's too hard to if it's miserable, it's too hard as well, isn't it? It just doesn't. I don't see how you can keep going in the long term if you're not having fun. Well, that's exactly it. It's it's hard to have that perspective. A lot of the time or some of the time, but um, having it as sort of a pillar of this is what the brand's about, this is why I started to do this, mm. and sort of bringing yourself back to that, and it sort of helps you make decisions going forward as to what you do, what you don't do. Um, yeah, it's sort of a, a little bumper rail, if you like, and it certainly helped me anyway. It's, it's hard, it is um, obviously difficult, and taking the leap to go in full-time, you sort of realise the the pressures that come with that that I was sort yeah. of guarded from, uh, if you like, whilst whilst they're working full time. But I still haven't really looked back at all. Uh, love what I do. Love getting that's great. Yeah, work, working with the. I mean, it's totally different from my uh, previous industry, whereby competitors would almost, you know, they'd stamp on your fingers to get one further step up the ladder yeah. they would guard their ip and their secrets like their life depended on it whereas it's so refreshing to step across to, to craft beer and find absolutely yeah can't do enough to help you um, mm. and make sure that we probably have a, a bigger battle to fight collectively in terms of trying to grow northern irish craft beer yeah the wider market and everybody sort of buys into that and it's really nice and refreshing to work in that collaborative environment um, definitely that supportive environment yeah very well said i think it's you know i'm sure a lot of industries would would benefit from that collaborative approach but but none of them seem to take it do they it's, it really is unique to craft beer i tell you what we should do we should toast that uh that message with sweet as which is the second beer we're drinking this evening this is your six percent new zealand ipa um tasting notes say and i like this very much northern ireland is the closest thing to new zealand in the northern hemisphere Rolling green hills, near constant rain, and excellent beer. Made as an ongoing experiment, um, and that's sort of switching to, to, to this particular beer, of course. So made, this beer made as an ongoing experiment with some of our favourite New Zealand hops. Uh, this one is hopped with Nelson Savan and Ruaka. Um, and so, you know, that if that if there is a, a more winning combination of hops than those two, I think you'd be struggling to name it. You know, that those are two real crowd pleaser hops and, you know, beautifully represented in this beer. This is another lovely tropical beer, obviously benefited from the 6% uh, ABV, so a bit more punch to it, you know, a bit more depth of flavour, 
but another really nicely executed beer. So, so really enjoying this one and, and another super aromatic pour as, you know, the, the absolutely sort of flooded out the glass as, uh, as I was, uh, as I was pouring it, the, the aroma, I mean, not the beer that probably wasn't very well expressed, but you know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So sweet as I'm a massive fan of New Zealand hops in mm. general. And so in 2024, I wanted to come up with a, a series or an umbrella for New Zealand hops to showcase them in, okay. across the style of beers, and that is what Sweet As is going to be. So this is the first beer that's actually been... Ah, right, it's the first in the series, umbrella. yeah. Nice. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, so this is a, a hazy IPA, and it showcases Nelson and Ruwaka in the dry hop. The second release will be a Pilsner, which is Mutueka and Ruwaka, yeah. uh, which is in tank at the minute. Yeah. And then thereafter, uh, we'll see where still see where fairly still fairly heavily hot to the pilsner. It's, I'd say, I fairly heavily hop my traditional pilsners in comparison, yeah. perhaps by their hops classically. Mm-hmm. So it, it is, I would say, heavily hopped in that. Yeah, yeah for, for the style. Like, yeah, I mean, obviously, for, it's not going to have as many not going to have as many hops in as this IPI clearly. But no, um, no. no. So, so there's no dry hop, but there is a reasonable addition in the whirlpool to oh. really get get across the. Aroma and flavor of what those hops can bring. We're not just having nice. hops on the hot side for bitterness. I feel like yeah. certainly those emissions have benefit in the style, but you don't really get the true expression of everything that that hops about. I think that sort of whirlpool addition really pushes that home. Um, yeah. So I do. I would utilize that uh, in, in most of the the pilsners that I do brew, uh, regardless right. of whether it's a, a modern new world hop or a traditional classic noble hop. Okay, yeah, yeah, but this so back to this beer. This is absolutely delicious. Um, you're right. New Zealand hops are amazing. Um, you know, it's it's great that we've got pretty good access to them now as well. I think you know, two two three years ago they were pretty exclusive, weren't they? And hard for for anybody, but the the biggest craft brewers to actually get their hands on. It seems like that you know the supply is now sufficiently well established that that you can buy them in you know in relatively small batches so yeah this is this is a lovely beer and i'm sure this is going over really well um how long has it been available two weeks okay so we'll get here so it was canned on the 5th of february and okay we've yeah. gone to market the week after that so it's still fairly new and how many cans is a is a batch for this type of beer for you so this is in one of the small 650 uh, leader fermenters. So yep. typically there'll be maybe 40 cases of beer will come out of yeah, that. Yeah, it was a 13, 1400 cans, yeah. yeah. And full of kegs as well. So small batch, the idea being, yeah, they're, they're fresh, they're going quickly and they right. can recycle. Um, yeah, so absolute massive fan of Nelson specifically, but more wider New Zealand yeah. in general have really been impressing me uh, across a range of styles as well. They're so versatile. Um, yeah. Lovely and soft, but equally impactful and punchy too. And yeah, so I, I suppose I just wanted to come up with a way to showcase them consistently across a range of beers. And I kind nice. of was doing that sporadically through uh, other beers last year, but um, this has sort of streamlined everything and gives it yeah. its own sort of identity, if you like. No, very good. Yeah, makes sense. Excellent. Um, so what else have you got? Coming up, beer release-wise, what have you got in tank that you're excited about? So we we have a part of, I suppose it ties into me talking earlier about trying to be a bit 
opponents for Northern Irish Craft Beer um, on St. Patrick's Day, March 17th, being a, a big day on the, the island of Ireland. And the field in terms of, <laughs> um, drinking the quality beer and saying cheers to the island of Ireland. So yep. I've reached out. I joined Modest Beer, joined Bruiser in December this year. Right. Yeah. So I reached out to those guys um, just to ask them what they were thinking about in terms mm-hmm. of the offering for St. Patrick's Day and whether they consider something to represent breweries in Northern Ireland or why. Oh, a great idea. Yeah. Absolutely. Island of Ireland. So I think one of the refreshing things, I suppose, about dealing with those guys is that it's still very much the, the two founders that. Yeah. No, it's so really nice guys. Yeah. I mean, we've been talking to them, you know, since they started. In fact, before. Since before they started, we've uh, we've been in conversation with with, with uh, Lewis and Ollie, and they're, you know, super guys. Had them on the podcast, and yeah, we're they're, they're, they're good friends of ours. Top top guys, and mm. can make decisions very quickly because they're still yep. a lean, nimble business. So you know, within two weeks, they agreed to what we were doing. Had mm. I'd organised the collaboration double IPA brew day with the guys at Bullhouse Brewing Company and nice. the in Fort Rush. Ollie had booked his flights to come over and join us for the brew day. Nice. Um, so there is a box that's going to be shipping, I think, on the 5th of March. So it's available now to yeah. for mm-hmm. the producer subscribers. And we have that double, I- double IPA collaboration in tank in the brewery now, which is, um, unsurprisingly, um, features Motueka, which is another favorite New Zealand hop. Yeah, absolutely. Backed up from with a lot of Citra and Citra Cryo as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, so excited to release that beer. It's always nice to, to have some other brewers in your ecosystem and pull ideas and just chat about things that nobody else wants to listen to when you're a, a one-man band, you know. Um, somebody else that takes the pressure off my poor wife having to listen to me rattle on about whatever <laughs> thing blues have been. So that beer, particularly excited about that one. And we, what else have I got? And as I was saying, Sweet As... Uh, the second release, the Motueka and the oh, yeah. Opt Pilsner as well. Mm-hmm. It'll be a little bit longer. It's it's probably got another four weeks in tank, uh, albeit it probably went in at the same time. Um, as the, the ale, that's just the nature of the base with lagers. Of course it is, yeah. yeah. Give it the time uh, that it needs and uh, deserves to uh, polish up and be ready for release. So it just occurs to me, um, before you carry on, Chris, that, that you know, now... I've spotted a bit of a problem, I think, with your naming convention. And as you say, you know, not having the, you know, because you've, you, you've now got a currently on untapped, presumably you've got Sweet As listed as a 6% New Zealand IPA. And now you're going to release a, a, another beer called Sweet As that's a, that's a Pilsner. How are you going to handle that with your, with your untapped listing? I think probably what I really need to do is come up with batch one, batch two, batch three. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. Which is, we have two other rotational series in the paleo and ipa category so i have a pretty good paleo and a not bad ipa and what those series are is essentially just uh, i love that as well by the way that's very much in keeping with the style of the brewery yeah yes like the extent praise as a as a way to talk about the beer actually probably making a a raw for your own back sometimes because people will happily tell you yeah you're right it's just not bad (laughs) um Yeah. So, so what those are, it's essentially a playground within those styles of beer for me to sort of experiment, try new things, um, all within the 
the wrapper of a paleo, but yeah. you know, that, that could be many things to many different people. So um, sweet as, I think, and, and sorry, I was just I suppose the point I was making, those were all sort of on the cans, batch one, batch two, batch three, mm-hmm. um, just and the hops that were used in them would be listed on the front as the differentiating point. Yeah. So sweet as, uh, the style will be different. The, the hops on the bottom will be different and the color, but on, <laughs> to address the appointment on tap, I think we're probably, they're going to have to just put in a hashtag one, batch one, something like that yeah. to make it clear. Um, yeah, I, I did have that hurdle to overcome with the, the pretty good paleo when the release number two came out. Sure, you've already just released that beer. Is it the same beer? This is the distributor's feedback. Is it the same beer? Is it a different beer? So you have to come up with ways to, to sort of really differentiate them. Yeah. The, it's always a communication piece about what it is, um, yeah. which is hard to do if the person hasn't isn't aware of the brand and they're lifting off the shelf rather than <laughs> yeah. picking it up on your social media and read the spiel and understand what it is. Um, yeah. Makes sense. Good. What have you got coming up this year in terms of events, festivals, tap takeovers, collabs, anything you can announce or preview? So nothing, I suppose nothing. In terms of collabs, I was going to say I was down as part of this Island of Ireland uh, beer box that we're doing with Bruiser, Boundary, or putting some beers into that box. So I was kind of very picking those up last week, uh, chatting to one of the brewers there, Jordan. And also there, uh, one of the founders there, Matt. And so the plan is to brew a collab with those guys. Right. Uh, and try and, and then they, they have their tap room now at the front of the brewery as well. So I'm going to do a tap table nice. there yeah. at some stage. Those guys are flat out at the minute. And they're probably quarter one is just maxed out. So I think it'll be probably towards the end of quarter two this year. But Makes sense. Yeah. We can mm-hmm. get that timetable in. Uh, beer festival wise, uh, I think the next thing that I will be doing is the Cumber Potato Festival. It's not necessarily a beer festival, but what it is uh, is a, a, a festival in this thing attracted like eleven thousand people in one day. Wow! <laughs> to give you an idea, uh, because because of the weather primarily, I think in Northern Ireland we're so used to miserable, any horrible weather when the sun comes out. <laughs> Everybody just stampedes for things. So, a beautiful wet, uh, weekend last year. Um, there's a local public in there, McBride's, uh, on the square they're called, and they they pour my beer regularly. One nice. of the few and far between bars in Northern Ireland that are contractually allowed to do that. Yeah. And I also brew a house IPA for those guys as well. Oh, and, and so Iris supplies the bar for the uh, for the potato festival. Mm-hmm. But rather than just pour the usual macro beer brands. She makes it a Northern Irish local supplier only bar. So we've got That's nice. Yeah. The Eptonville distillery there who bring their range of vodka and gin and whiskies. Yeah. We have Charles from Ards Brewing Company, uh, another one man band that makes beautiful traditional cask ale, bottom okay. condition beer. Yeah. Again, very rare in Ireland. We, do, we don't really have the same culture that you guys have in terms no. of cask uh cask beer at all uh, no. but he's taken that unique point uh um, right. that, no, that's good good to hear so he'll pour his cask beer and then we have modest beer doing um 
the craft tops as well. So a really big, uh, like totally, totally overwhelmed with the turnout. So when is that run? It's in May, I think, this okay. year. So yeah. a little, little bit of a lead up to it uh, still, but we, we need more resource. I think we were slightly under-resourced last year for the turnout because the year before it was at a different location and there's maybe a fifth or a second of the numbers. So we oh, wow. Ready. Yeah, you but just weren't expecting that. that. No. no, it was crazy. Um, I think we sold out of absolutely everything. You know, everything oh, can you imagine? Broke. They they ran back to the pub, took the beers from the cold store in the pub, brought those, sold out of those, took the off license. <laughs> and they went to Sainsbury's, yes. <laughs> everything. No, totally. Any, it all had to be Northern Irish. Ah. So they, they raided their off sales, all of the cans gone right. as well. So it was, just, uh, it was a bit of a mental day. So I'm looking forward to it this year. Mm. With the, Brilliant. With the pre- feeling prepared for it That's this year. Fun. Um, yeah. So are you looking for other uh, festival invites are you later in the summer, I guess? So. Absolutely. Um, we've probably done most of the beer festivals here in Northern Ireland. We'd love to don't have a huge market presence because primarily I've been focused on the market here in Northern Ireland. Yes. The the volume of beer that Modest Beer has been producing. Uh, for me, I've always wanted that to be served as close to um, as close to the brewery as fresh as possible. Makes sense, yeah. Um, yeah. But as it's grown, we're now in a position to try and uh, put a bit more of that beer further. Just a limited, uh, limited release across the pond, yeah, which would be nice, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and I know like the guys at Bruiser, for example, they're probably changing the market up a little bit. They're a little bit of a disruptor, shall we say. And so there's probably people that have different views on how that type of business might affect like a local bottle shop or an independent retailer to yeah. away from those guys. Um, but I suppose from my perspective, I can say as a, a brand in Northern Ireland, small and trying to put my beer in the hands of the right yeah, people. Yeah, it's fantastic. Yeah, it's a fantastic exposure well. from your perspective. Yeah, definitely, I understand that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I think getting that awareness mm. in the hands of the right people then allows me to have sort of warmer conversations with potential distributors and other businesses uh, on the mainland. Um, yeah. Hopefully that's the next step then is to start moving a bit more volume across. Yeah. Particularly keg sales because the market here is just um so restrictive and that there's Yeah, that's the thing, isn't it? Absolutely. Yeah, no, there's I'd imagine there'd be a, a pretty decent demand for your keg beer in, in the in the UK or in the mainland, you say. And you know, look, I think anybody that that, you know, based on what I've tasted of your beers today and, and over the weekend, um, you know, anybody that orders a bruiser box from from Mollis is not going to be disappointed with what you said. And I'm quite sure, you know, they, these are these are all very well brewed beers and absolutely delicious. So I think, uh, you know, I, I, I'm quite sure that anybody you know, listening to this that, that wants to grab a, you know, whether it's the the St Patrick's Day box or or, or the you know the, the dedicated Mollis box of the month following, I think they'll, uh, you know, they're not going to be disappointed with these beers. They're, they're terrific. <laughs> Let's uh, move on to say where's the best place to get their hands on. Um, modest beers and whether that's uh, people listening in, in in Ireland or Northern Ireland or England or Wales you know you, you I guess you, you web shops happy to ship uh, right across the UK it is indeed yeah so if yeah. you're looking to buy you know a box of modest beer in bulk the web shop's probably the best place to to grab it from mm-hmm. talked about bruiser it's available there as you know, a showcase box or for this month only in that island of Ireland box as well yep um, and I usually then would go on to say your local independent bottle shop, but maybe that 
doesn't necessarily <laughs> apply to a lot of your listeners in that most no. of the them is available locally. Good. All right. Well, that's good. I mean, it, you know, as, as I was saying earlier on, your web shop is 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 very nicely presented and very well stocked. At least it was this afternoon. So uh, that um, that bodes well for people looking to get their hands on a you know a nice mixed box of of modest beers. So we're into the home straight, Chris. At this stage, I like to ask the guest to give a shout out to Little Guy. Um, here I'm looking for you to mention one or more local to you beer businesses that you think are doing a great job promoting not just modest but independent craft beer in general. So that can be uh, another brewery, a tap room, a pub, a bottle shop, even a restaurant or a cafe, but somebody that you think is doing a great job promoting Northern Ireland independent craft beer. Yeah, I think I would I'd sort of reach out like Iris McBride from McBride's on the Square in Cumber. She runs uh, a local pub and off sales there and nice. has been a massive proponent for local craft beer and more wider local craft producers and local suppliers in terms mm -hmm. of raw ingredients for the pub and um, yeah just a huge proponent for locally produced product wider than Fantastic. yeah and in terms of breweries again I'll shout out Charles from Orange Brewing Company because he's really doing something different than any of the, the other breweries here in Northern Ireland yeah. or at least 90% of them and really focused on some delicious traditional cask and bottle conditioned beer yeah he has a number of uh growing sites around with Ireland. So these are people he's kind of roped into growing fuggles hops for him locally around northern ireland oh great uh, he'll do a fresh hop beer each year with the the harvest from those hops fantastic yeah um which is really unique in that we really don't have the the environment here certainly to grow hops that would be in any way representative or competitive with the, the modern new world hops that we see no but the, you know there's there's a place for, for those hops isn't there you know they're, 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 they will be appropriate in certain beer styles and yes yeah, it's, it's great to see uh, i love fresh hop and green hop beers that's a, just a terrific uh, a terrific initiative and you know something that's very special to that time of year isn't it yeah and i was lucky enough to actually get to brew with them myself this year because unfortunately charles was ill with COVID at the time when the hops were scheduled to be harvested. And so oh, obviously once they're harvested, they need to be in the beer. Yeah, they've got to be used. Yeah, 24 hours. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so he lined me up with about a week's notice that mm. these hops were going to be available. Mm. They were going to go to waste if they didn't get used. So we managed to, I think probably one of the advantages of being so small and, and nimble, I was able to sort of postpone a beer that was scheduled for a tank and and use that to brew a, a fresh hot beer. Nice, um, and you managed not to gum up all your brew kit with the uh, with the hot cones. <laughs> yeah, to, yeah, I actually took a lot of advice from from Charles and how he approached it over the years because okay. <laughs> he, he knew more what he was doing than me, who I work primarily with T nineties. Sure, absolutely, yeah. More laterally cryo hops and the floral mm. hop products as well, but the whole hops, especially locally grown, where you don't actually really know what. That, that alpha acid content is what the no. use are, are gonna you're gonna get from it how many you need to add um this was all guidance from Charles. so um <laughs> i was quite nervous about that beer firstly to kind of do it justice for him because yeah. um, there's a lot of effort from lots of people that have gone into producing these and to, yeah you want to do them justice in a beer but um luckily um probably 
not necessarily luckily with his guidance we were able yeah. to uh, make a beer that I was really proud of. Totally what, a fan, what a fan project to be involved with. Yeah, absolutely brilliant. Yeah. <laughs> Chris, we're at the wrap-up question. And here I need to know what would be your ultimate happy hour? Where would you be? Who would you be with? And most importantly, what specific beer would you be drinking? And there's one qualifier here, which is the beer doesn't necessarily need to be available at the venue that you choose. So in this fantasy world, you can bring the beer with you, perfectly chilled and ready to serve to your guests. It's such a, a tricky question, but I feel like the best way for me to answer it is generically, but also because the feeling is quite specific to me. So what I mean by that is working as a sort of one-man business, it's really, really difficult for me to switch off at any time of year. Yeah. So the, the only time I really find that I can properly do that is when I'm away, I'm on holiday, and I know it's an extended period of time. And it, right. You know, it's sort of three, four days into the holiday before I finally tune in to properly switch off and then start to enjoy your holiday yeah yeah. (laughs) so it's that exact moment that sort of fourth day where i'm not thinking about the brewery the business answering the emails um i'm just there in the moment with the family kids wider family even better so so nice parents and and brother and sister and their wider family would be great as well but yeah um it's that just and quite honestly, it's just not thinking about craft beer, not drinking the product with your, not picking it apart, dissecting yeah. your own beer, or it's that moment where you're just totally relaxed. The beer is clean, crisp. Just give me a cold beer. Yeah, yeah. And I don't, I don't need, <laughs> I don't need to analyze it. I don't need to think about. The flavor or how it was brewed or what it was brewed with or who made yeah. it what I, what I make of it it's just it's it's kind of part of the scenery and it's just there and i'm out of the crop so weirdly um that's the moment that i really look forward to oh, each year, no, you're that's... making me feel embarrassed now about how much i how much of my life i spend doing all those things that you just said you don't want to do <laughs> but well i think it's it's probably because i do the same i do them so yeah. much so deeply involved in the industry and it's it's so refreshing for me once a year or twice a year just to yeah. completely remove myself from it so it's probably equally i think the time that goes into running the business in the brewery um even more so just appreciating the time that i'm with my family then when we're away so uh, everything you've said everything you said is very reasonable um, but i'm gonna have to try and tease a, some more specific points out from you so so you're on holiday where would you you know where would you you know fantasy holiday be then so let's start with that oh, well see see these days i don't really get a huge amount of say in terms of where it would suit me personally if the kids are happy yeah um, i get they, that yeah um <laughs> and, and so it'll be somewhere that has so much for them to do that they're just off and they're yeah. away and they're happy and okay. we can just kind of kick back and chill. So what's worked nicely for us is like a campsite or something of that nature. Where sure, it's it's good. Well, on the coast somewhere, I'm sure. On, yeah. on the coast, yeah. sitting on the beach, they're nice. away, building yeah. sandcastles. We've got, got a cool box with us. You've so surrounded, surrounded by your family. So that's that's lovely as well. So I think the only thing I've got left to really try and nail you down on is what, what beer you will be drinking, even though you don't care in that. 
<laughs> in that fantasy situation, what would be if you did care? What would be your you know your your, your ultimate beer to sit and drink with your family on the beach? I always care. I just think in that scenario, <laughs> it really doesn't matter. It'll never put me off. Um, but it's I think the first step is to narrow it down to mm. style. And uh, the pilsner for me is uh, aside of the the paleo, the second beer that I brewed is a pilsner. And yeah, as I was alluded to earlier, if you look back over the, it's the one that you obviously take a lot of pride in. I've gone really deep with, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, and that's through just an absolute love for that style and really classic traditional examples of that. Yeah, um, and I'm trying to do my best to represent that in in a modest beer kind of way. So, 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 so you know, in in the true sort of modest beer style then, so you wouldn't be drinking your own beer. So, so nope. who, you know, what's the ultimate pilsner then from your perspective? Uh, well, it's, it's, a, it's a brutal question because there's so many. Um, do you know, I think it's it's not even a pilsner and people will drop this beer a lot and specifically brewers will drop this beer a lot, but Augustine or Hellas has to be mentioned. Yes, yeah. yeah, yeah. It's just... Anytime I walk into any bottle shop, um, and that's there, it gets lifted. It's just an automatic decision. Have you been to Munich? No. Uh, Yeah, I was lucky enough to go there last year, and I went to the Augustina uh, beer keller and and had the, you know, all of their different beers. But the uh, the cask uh, keller beer served from the from the the bar top was a was a fabulous experience. Yeah, yeah. So it's a beautiful place. That is so we're. My wife and I are sort of planning a, a three-day getaway, the two of us, and somewhere like Munich is definitely. I highly recommend it. Yeah, for 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 a for a, a you know a fan of German beer styles, I think you're going to be in your element. Yeah. Yeah, that that said as well, Pilsner, going to Czech City, Pilsen, uh, Pilsner, Pilsner the original Pilsner. Um, mm. um, I guess if you're going to pay testament to a style of beer, why not go back to the original, the first. Yeah, one. sure. Um, go right to the source. That's another location that's in the conversation, I think. Um, mm. Yeah, having had these beers in bottle in Northern Ireland, I guess, is probably a very different product to what you get fresh at source. I'm sure to some extent it is, yeah. yeah. But lots of great lots of great places to go. Beer tourism is a, is a great thing. It's uh, just a beer. <laughs> Absolutely. I, Nothing better than, than going on a great beer trip. Um, look, Chris, it's been a lot of fun. Lovely to catch up with you. Really appreciate your 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 beers, but I appreciate the the nature of what you're doing as well. I, you know, I, I very much like the sort of the modest approach to to the business. You really do live the live the brand. Um, I think you've got a lot to be proud of, actually. But I appreciate that you don't take that perspective, and I think you've got a big future ahead of you. So, in the meantime, thank you so much for your time. Thanks, Rob. <laughs>